Hey, I want to welcome everyone to the Parlay Podcast with comedian Kevin Wolf. And tonight we have a very, very special guest, uh, someone who's been in the game for a minute. Uh, she's done a lot here, uh, not just in North Carolina, but nationwide. She's been on tours, and she's really having a major impact on the game, I know here, uh, because she's helped me and a ton of other comedians uh, be able to come in and showcase their talent and create opportunities for themselves. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce comedian Lady Shamar to the show. <laughs> How are you doing? I am wonderful, my friend. I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. Oh, I, I had to, man. I, I had to. You've done uh, a lot to create a lot of opportunities and open doors uh, for myself and some other comedians. And so there's no way I could have had this and not have you on. And plus, you're just straight up one of the funniest people just out here killing the oh. game. Oh, so, man, I appreciate that. So let me ask you something. So mm -hmm. we're going to jump right into it. Uh oh, mm -hmm. here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so, how did you get into comedy? I got into comedy um, over six, seven years ago. I don't lost track of how long I've been in comedy, but um, I, I got in the game. Actually, one of my classmates um, is a comedian, and he always thought I was funny. And he was, you know, he came to me on some old you know, you need to do comedy type thing. And I was like, nah, I nut up if I get up there in front of everybody. I'm funny. I'm funny with y'all. But if I get in front of a whole lot of people, I might nut up. And I mean, he bugged me for months and months and months to do it. And finally, you know, after I had my last daughter, I, I tried it once. And I've been doing comedy ever since. What was that like that first time on stage, getting that cherry well, pop? Man, listen, I was, I'm gonna tell you like this. I was nervous. I was scared. I I drank up the whole <laughs> left side of the bar. Everything they had, I mixed brown and white. I look, I was eating the peanuts at the bar. I I I did all that. All that yeah. because I was so scared and so nervous. You know, I I but by the time it was time for me to get up on the stage, I was so drunk. I was so drunk, I had to sit down during the entire performance. And, and you know, I had a mentor at that time, um, and my mentor watched the video. And, and unfortunately for me, it is still up on YouTube. It is like so, if I ever want to have an embarrassment, see how, where I came from, I'll go back to that video every now and then and watch it. But my mentor watched it, and he said, you know, you did a good job for your first time. That's cold word, AKA was, you was all right, but you wasn't that funny, you know? <laughs> and, you know, and he told me, he said, but I want you to understand it's called stand-up comedy for a reason. I don't ever want to see you sitting down doing this again. And that was my eye opener. And I've been doing it ever since. So backing up a little bit. So where are you from? Where are you at now? How did you get to that point? Kind of let everybody know sort of your background. Okay, background, born in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I was up there not long, you know, daddy cheated, mama took us and ran. You know, we relocated down to North Carolina with her family and I've been in Greensboro, North Carolina ever since. Um, I'm a mother of four children. Um, 
three bonus babies and I just adopted another kid. Like, like I don't understand why you would adopt kids that you can't get credit for on your taxes anymore. <laughs> That's beyond me. But I, you know, I we did it. I don't ask me why. Um, but yeah, I'm, I live here in Greensboro with my husband and my cheering and my family's here. You know, and you know, I, I I sling jokes here in in Greensboro and all over the U.S. and internationally. So you know, I'm. I'm, I'm, I, I do work a regular nine to five just only because COVID is a beast, you know, and these bills still got to get paid. I don't never post where I work at because I say some controversial stuff on my page and they will never do me like we do them clear folks getting them fired. <laughs> never now, know where I work at. <laughs> now, now, speaking of, uh, you know, being able to, you know, go out on that edge and say things that are controversial, um, I know that's a part of your comedy period. So how would you kind of describe, so when someone pays and they come in to see uh, Lady Shamar, the queen of North Carolina comedy, how do we know, what, did, what are they in store for when they come see you perform? When they, when they come see me, it depends on what you pay me for. If you pay me for a Christian <laughs> show, you're going to get a good, clean Christian show. You understand what I'm saying? Um, and if you pay me for an adult performance, you're going to get some raw, raunchy in your face. I'm talking about it all type of stuff at my shows. And the beauty of my comedy is that when I was in high school, I smoked a whole lot of marijuana. Skipped school all the time, smoked a whole lot of marijuana. And it, it left a permanent, permanent problem with my memory. Mm. As a result, I can't remember most jokes if I write them down. Therefore, I don't write jokes. So every show that you get with me is off the top of my head. Everything is just, it, it, it pops in my head, it come out my mouth. Um, which is why I, I believe that I'm one of the most sought after comedians in this area because promoters know they are gonna get a different show every time they book me. I think that's a gift. Because I've tried that. I've tried it. I've tried it. I've tried it. <laughs> and I cannot get to that point. I've got to write my stuff down. So, I, because you hear about rappers doing that, mm -hmm. you hear about Biggie and Jay Z and so many others, yep. they don't write it down. Right. And so, I, I think that's really a gift. I mean, the, yeah. the weed may have contributed to, to you, yeah, really. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, but that's and, a you gift. know. They call me the Biggie Smalls of comedy, and I, I take that as a, you know, I've been coined many things in this comedy game. Um, I've been given the name by my peers as the North Carolina Queen of Comedy. Didn't give myself that, that name, folks, for all of y'all that's listening. I did not name myself that. My peers named me that. Um, and I've been coined the Biggie Smalls of comedy simply because I don't write my jokes. I sit there and I spit. I spit, which is why... I have to make sure that before every show, I can't, you know, have any type of argument. My head had my headspace has to be right because it will determine my performance. So, mm. you know, it's it's a lot that goes into into you know the preparation for the show. It's a lot that goes into that. It's not as easy as people think it is. What's the hardest part of the of 
of just being a stand-up comedian that you think? What is the hardest thing? Getting men, especially male promoters, to understand that I'm not going to fuck you for airtime to be on the stage. <laughs> I'm not. Like, seriously. Like, Does that happen I, a lot? What? Oh, my gosh. Listen, out of all of the performances that I've done in my life, and I've done hundreds and hundreds of shows. Mm-hmm. I have to say that maybe 10 to 20 of the promoters that booked me did not try to make a pass at me. Wow. And that, that it gets to the point where they've crossed that boundary and that line of professionalism. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it and, and I'm one of those people I can honestly say, I'm proud to say that I have never slept with a promoter or anybody of the likes to get stage time. You, you're going to book me. If you don't want to book me, that's cool. I promise you, I'm going to be coming right back around. Somebody is going to say, listen, you need to put Lady Shamar on and you're going to reach out to me again. And when you do, I'm going to charge you double than what I would have charged you had you booked me the first time. I like that. Uh-huh. I like that. I like that. that. I mean, so how many women in the game would you Mm. say encounter that a lot? Would you say like uh, every, every woman in the game at some point it's going to come across and it's going to be some promoters or or managers Mm -hmm. or whatever. And, and it's come, is that just like something, you know, that is going to come? Oh yeah, absolutely. Every female in this game understands and has to understand that, you are going to get hit on. Even the ugly ones, they still get hit on. Because, I am I mean, I'm telling you, these promoters feel like, oh, I paid you $1,000 to come, you know, 20 minutes up the road to do 30 minutes. You know, you're going to give me comedy and some ass. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and that's not it's how not it works. Right? It's not it, I mean, it's, and it's, it, you know, it gets to a point where I start traveling with my husband. Yeah. And that, that nips a lot of that in the bud. You, every now and then you will have one that'll kind of have no respect, even though my husband's there. Those are the ones I don't deal with again. Yeah. Does that make they so that obviously, you know, makes the game, you know, much harder. Um, So along the way, have you had some um, other comedians or managers that sort of just kind of mentor and kind of help you navigate or is this, or has a lot of it, you just had to find out the hard way. Um, I've had one, comedian in the game that I value his opinion and not that there aren't others but this one is the one that sticks out the most I value his opinion he has never ever 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 made a pass at me he always gives me good advice because every every mentor has a mentor and I have mentees but I also have a mentor my mentor is Kenny Williams out of New York um super funny super funny comedian oh my god he, he, he does so much work and I can hit him up at the drop of a dime, like text him like, yo, Ken, I got a question about this. So yo, Ken, this promoter just hit me up and he's saying this, this, that, and the third. Seems kind of sketchy. What you think? You know, you, and he knows like at this point in the game, as much as we work together, he knows not to say, all right, write this joke down. Cause he know I ain't going to remember it. <laughs> he, he already know that. So I, I think <laughs> for the most part, we, we book each other. So I keep him booked in the South. He keeps me booked up up back home in New York. Um, 
and he gives me advice because he's he's been in the game over 20 years so mm. you know I, I i value his opinion now there is a female comic that is also my mentor and she is like my sister and that's uh nikki who out of new york okay well. yeah yeah that's my boo thing um I mean, and that's like my sister, sister. Like, I got questions. Nikki, Nikki is on it. Like, and 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 she ain't ashamed to tell me, yo, you that was a bonehead move you just did, or don't do that joke this way. Next time, try to tweak it this way, you know. So it's always good to have people that you look up to that can tweak your work, you know. The same way I do my men, my mentees, you know. Mm-hmm. Circle of life. And, and that's interesting, you know, with your travels. What I want to ask you is, what is the toughest city or the toughest room to do comedy? You know, you have your experience in New York, down south, and and automatically now the public automatically assumes it's New York, and it may be. But I want to get your thoughts on what's been the toughest room. You know, when I when I did my rooms, every time I've been to New York, um, I've killed, I've killed. Um, I did a show um, in uh, the Bronx. Um, and dead ass got a, a standing ovation in the middle of my set, which is like to comedians getting a standing ovation, That's especially it. in the middle of your set. It's like getting an Emmy, Oscar, mm-hmm. Grammy, like that's major. Um, so that was in New York. Um, and it's not just because that's where I'm from. Like there's many comics, there's, there's twice as many comics in New York as there are that I found out that then there are down here, down South. Um, and when, if you want to, we can get into it later on the difference between the comics, but I would say my hardest room that I had was a clear room full of Trump supporters at a freaking wine vineyard. Do you understand me? I, I, it's like, I would say, and I forgot where I was at for a second. So I dropped the word, the N word and (laughs) <laughs> as much as they tried to act like they were they were appalled by the time that wine kicked in they they would almost yeah. ready to join in with me you hear me wait time out time out so let me get this right you booked the gig mm-hmm. at a winery full mm-hmm. of trump supporters yep and, and okay so let everybody know what you mean by clear people okay okay for those of you that are listening Clear means white people, okay? And I try to teach my kids not to, you know, racism and all that. We don't, we don't want to do any of that. So I think by telling them white people, they're going to go to school and be like, this white girl said this, this and then now you got the teacher looking at me like I'm unfit, you know, and I ain't got time for y'all to be having DSS take my kids away from me, messing up my EIC. I got to file my taxes and I, I, I anticipate filing them, okay? So... Uh, but uh-huh. clear people means white people, okay? And and y'all can use that word. Just make sure you pay homage <laughs> when you do, because uh, clear ain't a color. So if you call mm. somebody clear at work and they 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 take you to HR, you cannot lose your job, darling, because clear is not a color. You are not racist, okay? See, that saves our butts. You better call them clear, okay? Keep but shouting yes. the forces. Exactly. You, it's a gray area. You got to fall in between that gray area and keep your job. But yeah, I got booked. Somebody found me on um, 
one of the uh, on social media on online, and mm-hmm. they booked me to do a uh, a vineyard. Um, and I do this vineyard. I do the one that they have in Albemarle, North Carolina, as well as Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and they allow me to bring whatever comic I want to open up for me, or you know, we can switch it up. If I don't feel like headlining, I open up for them. I'm not one of the people I got to be the headliner all the time, you know, because mm-hmm. honestly, it gets tiring having to do. And people don't understand the structure of that, you know, like people don't understand when a comedy show starts, you typically have three to four acts. First act is the opening act. Seven to 10 minutes is what that person normally does. Next person you have is the feature. Feature normally does anywhere between 15 to 20, 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. Then you have the headliner. The headliner is the person that's supposed to do anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour, depending on what they were paid to do. And so, you know, I let that be known, especially to, you know, new promoters that want to book me when we, you know, when they, when they ask me, you know, or when they come to me and say, I want you to do, you know, do a show for me. And I ask them, what do you want me to do? Open feature or headline? Well, I want you to headline. Okay. How much time do you want me to do? And these promoters, it baffles me that they, it slips their mind. They don't even understand that talking to people for an hour is a long time. Yeah. And it, it costs yeah. for that. Yeah. Like, that's a lot to have to do to talk for an hour and that's going to cost. But when you give them that cost and especially if their location is three hours or better away mm-hmm. and they realize that that price got a comma in it, baby, listen here. They'd be like, well, uh, 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 how much you say what's under a opener? Uh, bro, it ain't nothing under a opener. Unless you want me to set the mics up, sweep off the stage. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's a whole lot of etiquette to it that, you know, we have to teach the promoters, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I let all comics know, don't, sh- don't shortchange yourself, but then also don't get the big head. Cause it's a, it's a couple of comics down here in the Greensboro area that have done a couple of shows. They were all, they were successful in those couple of shows and then they got the big head. And once they got yeah. the big head, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. I'm just going to sit back and wait for your fall from grace, because everybody has it. Mm-hmm. Everybody has it. I've had it. It's you, you've done so many, so many great shows, two, three shows where you killed it. Everybody was laughing. Then you got that one show where you bomb and it is going to discourage oh. the shit out of you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to talk about that. You're just not going to skip over that. So tell me, what was it like the first time when you had that bomb moment? You gonna have to tell me about that one. Oh man, listen, I had a bomb moment, and when I bombed, it was like, I, it, number one, it came from my arrogance. I'd had a couple of shows prior to that I killed, so I automatically walked in the building knowing I'm finna destroy this thing. But I messed up because I did not read my audience. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the first thing you should do as an entertainer. As, especially as a comic, you know, whether you get a chance to get behind the audience while they're waiting for the show to start and they don't know that you're looking, you have to look at your audience, see the age range, you know, mm-hmm. see if it's younger people, older people. And that was my, my problem. I jumped up there sitting here thinking that I had a room full of young people that wanted that hood stuff. 
those hood jokes and got up there and there was a whole bunch of grandmas. Yeah. And I'm I'm sitting over here talking about offset and they like offset? Whose bank account is offset? What is she? <laughs> like they didn't laugh. <laughs> they didn't laugh. And it it got to the point where I started I started to, you know, you know, beat myself up that they weren't laughing. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to pull every trick out the hat up there and they could they could see my frustration. Our audience is just like dogs. They smell your fear. Yeah. They smell yeah. when you're nervous. Yeah. They smell when you're unsure of yourself. Mm-hmm. And baby, they will give you the business, whether yeah. it be them vocally, you know, being um, a, a heckler or just not laughing at all until you, 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 you feel some kind of way and you get the hell off their stage. Yeah, that, that silence is the worst. I'd rather oh. you try to heckle me and then I can come back and get some footing going back and forth with you. But when yeah. nobody says anything and oh, the worst, oh, so I, I bombed, man. I Ooh. bombed bad. And when I say bad, I mean, it was a dead silence to a point where it was an event where I thought <laughs> it was going to be for couples. It was like this couples night so I thought everybody was going to be involved so I had all these jokes about relationships and marriage mm. and I showed up and everybody there was hood and single eh. Jesus. so I go into and you can't it's hard to look at an audience and tell if they're single or not but right. when I was right. walking up as I was walking up and I looked and I could just tell the dudes were kind of on one side, the ladies were on the other side, and I could tell, like, oh, man, this shit's not going to go well. This is not going to be good. And it went so bad where it was silent, and I heard one dude in the back of the room say, this nigga. (laughs) (laughs) That's when I was like, it's time to go, man. I walked off. off. I'm going to tell you how bad I felt. I felt so bad. I walked off. I didn't even take the $50. Oh, no. I didn't even take it. I felt like it wasn't even worth it. And it took a while for me to get to, back up there, to get my head back together because people don't understand what it's like when you're yeah. standing up there and you're expecting not just to talk, but to make people laugh right. for an extended time. How did right. you know? When did you know you were funny? Like, when did you, what was that thing that said, you know what? I'm funny. I knew I was funny at a real young age. They used to have me, you know, get up in front of the church when I was like Mm -hmm. seven, eight years old and do comedy in front of the church for like, we would have a children's night or whatever. And we would, you know, showcase our talent. Um, You know, some kids would sing, you know, my sister would sing, my brother would get on the drums. I get up there and spit jokes. And I talk about all the people in the church and how they shout. (laughs) (laughs) Are you still a member of that church? That's what I no, wanted. No, no, no. They, they gave me my walking papers uh, while shortly after that. Mm-hmm. My whole family had to find a whole nother home church behind me. So, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was definitely, um, uh, uh, you know, that moment that I realized that, okay, I'm kind of funny. And mm-hmm. then uh, from there, I would always get kicked out of class in school making jokes, cracking jokes, being funny. Um, and shout out to Miss Richie over at Dudley High. They used to always call me a clown and told me that being a clown don't pay. 
Look at me now, Miss Richie. Uh oh. The vapors. Yeah. Remember that? The vapors. The vapors, right. <laughs> like, yeah. So, you know, and then from there, you know, it's just kind of snowballed into this great thing that I have going on in my life. And I'm grateful because, you know, I've had the opportunity to travel to so many different states that I otherwise would not have gone to had I not been in this game. Mm-hmm. And, and these are states that I've traveled to, you know, off of a promoter's dime because of this gift mm-hmm. I have. So, you know, I'm blessed. I'm fortunate. You know, just, I just don't want to ever bomb again. But you, <laughs> you know what? And I, I don't even know if I can say this, but I'm going to go ahead. Uh-oh. So I, I just had a show. Um, was it last night? No, Saturday night. Friday night. Friday night. Mm-hmm. I just had the show Friday night. It was my first show since COVID shut everything down. And it was when I tell you the the way I felt, you know, leading up to the show was so surreal. It felt like I did on the first night I did comedy where I was nervous and scared because I hadn't done it in so long. You know, my husband was like, you know, normally you all rah, rah, rah before a show. He's like, babe, what's wrong? What's going on? I I don't even know how to feel. Like I haven't done a show in so long, but I got out there and I promise you, it was just like riding a bike. I didn't miss a step. I didn't miss a beat. You know, I threw caution to the wind and I gave them hoodness that they lowered. (laughs) Shout out to the Trey folk. I'm I'm scared. I, I'm not scared as in fearful, more so um, I'll say I'm anticipating wanting to make sure that, you know, that, that next time out there that I'm giving people the best, but having mm-hmm. gone this long of a drought and right. not even done an open mic and yeah. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I didn't do the, you know, the internet sort of deal just because, you know, I love that interaction with the audience yes, yes. and my lane was just not, that's just not my, my comfort yeah. zone. Yeah. Um, and so how was your timing? Did you find that that just clicked and came back? Yeah, it absolutely clicked and came back. I mean, um, you know, I take it back. It wasn't the first show I've done since COVID. I've done some Zoom comedy shows. And I've realized that those are definitely drastically different than a yep. live comedy show. It, it's like, imagine telling one of your best jokes and you got you got 50 folks on mute and you telling your best joke and all you see is people doing this. <laughs> but you can't hear them. Like, that is a that is a blow to your ego. Understand me? Imagine telling somebody a funny joke and they laughing, but you can't hear them. Mm-hmm. It it I miss when I did that show Friday night. I missed so much to be able to give a punchline and people immediately laugh and I hear it. Yeah. But on those Zoom comedy shows, it was like, you know. Yeah. It, it it was definitely the interaction that was missed, the, you know, the, the instantaneous response from the crowd that was missed. Because, I mean, if you already ain't, oh, Lord, I'm about to drop my whole little laptop, don't do that. <laughs> but but if you already sketchy with your shows, you know, you, you are a half-ass comic, 
a Zoom comedy show is not what you want to do. Because if you don't hear the people laugh, that's not your confirmation or your validation. And that will mess you up. And, and see, you are one of the best I've seen at interacting with the audience. Thank you. Um, you know, most of the time you tell people, oh, don't sit in the front row of a comedy show. Look, you go see Lady Shamar. Don't sit in the first three rows. Right. And it's not, <laughs> and it's not one of those where you calling people out, trashing them, but just that audience interaction yeah. where you engage them. And you, one of the things you're really great at is shrinking a room in terms of you could take, uh, I remember when I saw you, at the Comedy Zone in Greensboro. And mm -hmm. one of the things you did was you took that sold-out audience and you made people feel like you were talking to them one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, and yeah. that is one of the things, as a stand-up comedian, you always want to try to check off in terms of your skill set being able to do. And so in watching you, I learned how you how you did that and you yeah. didn't miss a beat, but you drew people in. And even if you weren't talking to someone directly, you felt like you were still a part of the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, and that, that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful gift that you have. So you. while I got you on here, I want to ask you about something. Come so with it. I'm with it. What do, you, what do you think about the Will and Jada and August? Uh, what's his last name? How you pronounce Alcina. his last name? Alcina. I didn't even know who he was. I felt bad, but I didn't know who he was. What do you think about that? I, I, I originally, when, I, when it first dropped, I was pissed off because, number one, the side dude is never supposed to open his mouth about the lady that he got, especially when she got more money than you, okay? <laughs> especially when she's doing way big. And August Alcina is a rapper, singer, whatever. He's in the music industry. But you know, Jada out here doing big things. She married to Will Smith and you throw her under the bus yeah. for what? See, now you're looking like a hurt and disgruntled dude. And when they denied it, I knew it was a lie. I was like, come on now. You know, everybody know Will and Jada got an open relationship. So I knew it was a lie, but I just let Jada's publicist deny that. Then Jada comes out and says, yeah, you know, and then she sits down at the table. Imagine if if Jada was at that table with my husband, that conversation would have been totally different. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. I'm not, not going to sit at no table and tell my husband that I had an entanglement with someone when we were on the outskirts. We'll handle mm -hmm. that with so much grace and poise. You know, I, I really think Jada was wrong just simply because this young man came to her while he was hurt. He needed help. He needed, you know, somebody to help guide him to, to, to well, to health, get his health back together. And you offered this man great advice. You probably offered him a, a, a great regimented eating habits to get his health back together and some pussy. Like, oh, that's a hell of a deal though. That's a hell of a deal. Yeah, if I you ain't got shit going, if you ain't got shit going on in your life and you hitting rock bottom and you got Jada nursing you back to health. Yeah, that's like Halle Berry. You're gonna be like, yeah, bro, I'm gonna go ahead and get that. You know, Tupac hit that. So I'm 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 in there, player. I, I'm in there, player. I don't mind running up behind Tupac. I'm going down as one of the greats. You know? <laughs> that's what you do today. Oh, man, I, I smashed Tupac pussy, man. Let's just say it. Like, 
the for real. But <laughs> I felt sorry for Will because I got to see what us women look like on the other end of the spectrum when this happens to us. And Will kept his cool so very well. I was so proud of him. I'm just saying, if if this podcast ever reaches out to the masses, you can let Will Smith know. If he want to get, get back on Jada. Where's your husband at? Where's he? Right, he downstairs. That's why I didn't say it's me. You see? <laughs> just gave the finger like, come on. This is a Pentecostal finger. But, right. I be, but I, I really, I really felt bad, but I was proud of them because they sat at that table and talked like adults. Mm-hmm. Like, and they were like chilling, cool, and friends talking about his wife smashed another dude. And we're talking about that. We're discussing that. So that was very big of them. I was, I was very, very proud of them for doing that. I was disappointed in Jada, you know, for that. But then again, hey, that's life. People cheat. You just even celebrities cheat. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta take it for what it's worth. But that August Alcina, you old running your mouth ass side nigga. If I ever seen one, boy, you hear me? That's why See, we don't us older women don't mess with y'all young boys. Y'all make my butt itch. You hear me? You don't know how to get some and keep quiet. You got to tell all your little friends. But instead of telling all his little friends, he told the whole world. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder what made him after all of this time, years have gone by, uh, it looks like they, everybody had moved on from the situation. What made him now come back and say, this is why, this is what happened? And when I look at it and I think, okay, what would make someone come back years later? And he didn't say this. It's not like somebody caught him in a private conversation and recorded right. it put it out there he set up the interview knew it was going out to the masses and was like i'm going to i'm going to tell it and just because it's you can live your truth without letting everybody know absolutely Uh, and i just i I think i'm going to guess and assume he was promised or assumed something was going to happen and it didn't and he was like you know what I'm going to put this out there. And they came back and said, all right, well, we're going to cut it off right now. And that's pretty much what it was. It was, well, yeah, this happened. Well, there were several things that lined up to that. Number one, August Alcina got an album that's going to drop. So this was a total publicity stunt. I don't wow. think he expected it to get out of hand the way it did. You know, I think he expected it to just drop name, drop Jada Pinkett and some of the women he's been with. Mm-hmm. But, he didn't expect it to get the way it has. And then, two, you know, he fell madly in love with Jada. And then her and Will got their shit back together. Yeah. And he told him, bro, hey, I got to cut this off. He's hurt. Little heartbroken, little pansy, little rapper, man. If you don't go, bro, how you going to be hard in the paint in your lyrics? But now you want to act like a girl mm-hmm. when, when the female try to step out. Like, that's crazy to me. So... That's why he did a lot of that. That's exactly why he did a lot of that. I just couldn't understand, you know, I couldn't understand the point of what did you get out of, you know, telling people publicly your business? You started this. You went to a specific person, set up the interview, or at least mm-hmm. agreed to the interview. Yeah. And, and, you know, what did you think you were going to get out of it? That That's what... I would love to hear that because some people think that, well, if I share it publicly that I'm going to get something out of it and you don't, it's you 
feel just the same way you did before you said anything. And at the end of the day, Will and Jada ain't gonna never break up, okay? Jada ain't yeah, never ain't. giving Will up for a female like me to come down and swoop down and get him, okay? She ain't never making that an option. So, you know, August Alcina, basically what he just did was put himself out there. Now, he, then what's gonna happen is August is gonna get a whole lot of calls from a whole lot of uh, little, little cougars, you know? For real? They, they, yeah, man, Vivica gonna hit him up, you know? Uh, <laughs> Uh, Angela Bassett gonna hit him up. Uh, Viola Davis gonna hit him up. I mean, the, I, and I know you ain't into this thing, but August, somebody done dropped on the internet a picture of August Alcina in his boxer drawers. Okay, here we go. Here yeah, we go. Jesus. Here we go. Jesus. Somebody, got one of these old, one of these, listen, one of these old little Thundercats <laughs> is gonna mess around and hit August Alcina up. It might be Cicely Tyson. Somebody <laughs> is going to hit him up to come. Look, look, they need some plumbing work fixed. You call him over there. So, that's how it works. That's how, that's, that's how, that's how they do it. That's listen, how y'all do it. Listen here. That's how they do it. You know, that I saw that little brother right there, sir. I know my limits. I, I don't want no parts of that. You hear me, sir? All righty. All righty. Oh, now you don't want to talk about it. No, nah, not really. Not, not, my, not quite my lane. Yeah, so uh, what some people may not know, but if they follow you on social media, follow you closely, which I encourage everybody to follow you, um, mm -hmm. is your community activism and just yeah. your involvement. And I really enjoy learning that about you, especially with, if you touch on this real quick about the boycott of um, Bojangles and how that came about. And uh, I really like that you, you know, really put a lot of effort into letting people know what was going on. But if you can kind of share what that uh, boycott is about. Sure. Um, uh, boycott uh, started for Bojangles in Greensboro on Pisgah Church Road. Uh, one of the young ladies working there, African-American young lady, was working a drive through um, A car full of Caucasian young guys came through. They ordered just food. When they got to the window, they asked her to give them some free drinks. She told them, no, she couldn't do that. And if they wanted drinks, they would have to drive back around and get back in the drive-thru only because her window just gives the food. She can't place any new orders. Guys called her some disrespectful names and spat at her. Luckily, their spit didn't hit her, but the fact that you spat at her, that's a felony in itself. Um, so uh, there was a lady behind the guys. She saw what the guys did. She called into the store the general manager, hey, listen, your worker just got sped at, whatever. The young lady also went to her general manager, told him, hey, look, this is what happened. These boys just spit at me. General manager was like, oh, well, I understand, but hurry up and get that drive-through line down. So the girl goes back to the window. And when the young guys, young Caucasian guys come back around, the general manager is at the window. And instead of checking them for what they did, she gives them the free drinks. And then not only does she give them the free drinks, the Caucasian guys pull over in the parking lot and they hang out there for over an hour. Basically it's an intimidation tactic to the black young lady that they had just spat at and she couldn't take it anymore. She was, you know, the fear that it rose up in her. So she walked off and quit. Not only did she quit, but several other of her coworkers quit as well. Um, and as a result, we started the boycott. Since the general manager didn't do anything, Bojangles released a statement basically saying that they feel like the general manager did the best thing um, 
in that situation and handled it appropriately, you know, they not going to do anything about it. So we started a boycott against Bojangles. Uh, mm. We were boy initially started out boycotting them for 30 days. And when Bojangles released a statement saying that their general manager did nothing wrong, well, we're boycotting them indefinitely. So okay. like, it, it's it's so bad. Like I drove, I saw a commercial on TV for Bojangles. These mugs got two Cajun filet biscuits for $5. You know, just one of them mugs mm. is $5 alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hard times. So yeah. yeah. But but we we sticking by it. I'm proud of I'm proud of us here in in the three three six. You know we not supporting that. So yeah, we, we mean that thing. Yeah, I, I appreciate um, you doing your part, making everybody aware and and sharing that story um, because it's important that we do that. That we make people aware of things that's going on. That's how we you know can come together and, and hopefully one day put a stop to bullshit like this. Absolutely. Um, and so it's one other thing I saw on your page earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to, I, I, I can't wait to hear this mm -hmm. part. Um, is you have been a supporter of the mantra of black lives matter, mm -hmm. but you made a post about um, when you actually went to the website and did some research about the organization, kind of talk about some of the things that, uh, you walked away with in your perspective once you went to the website and saw different things. Okay, so a couple of days ago, uh, uh, I had a conversation with one of my friends, and I was like, yeah, I support Black Lives Matter. And he was like, oh, you support Black Lives Matter? I was like, yeah. He was like, he took me to the website, took me to where the BS was. He said, read that on your own time. And so I read it, and then the more I read, the angrier I got. And then I started to do research on it. Um, after my research, I made the this executive decision um, that I no longer support Black Lives Matter, the movement. I support the personal mantra of Black Lives Matter, but I do not support the movement primarily because when you go to the uh, Black Lives Matter website, you click on the About Us, and then there's another link. I, I, it slips my mind right now, but after the About Us, um, it basically says that Black Lives Matter, you know, they are full-fledged supporting. And, and just for everybody that's listening, understand, I am not, I, I support everybody, no matter what race, color, creed, sexual orientation you have. I support you all. I love you all. But if Black Lives Matter, that means every person that is black and brown, you support them. But Black Lives Matter states that they are going pretty, pretty much they're going hard for all LGBTQ plus people. They are basically dismantling, they want to dismantle uh, what the households usually consist of, a husband, a wife, or a mom and a dad and a kid. They are now going against the grain of, you know, basically, in, in a nutshell from what they were basically saying, they are supporting the transgenders. They want them to lead in this Black Lives Matter movement. I'm not understanding why you know, heterosexual people cannot lead in this movement, but their agenda is to have, you know, the LGBTQ plus community do that. They were also speaking um, on, you know, basically killing how it was where it's the man and the woman and the child. And they know they want to support the people. They do not, excuse me, they do not want to support the, the way things used to be, where if you were born a man, and you identify as a man, 
they don't want to, they don't really want to get down with your fight. If you were born a woman and identify as a woman, they don't want to get down with your fight. Now, if you were born a man and identify as a woman now, or vice versa, they all for you. And that in itself was pretty hurtful because we already have that stigma that there's too many black men not in the home for their kids. And now he, you got Black Lives Matter out here basically saying, we're going to dismantle, you know, this Western, you know, nuclear, you know, vision of family. Like, come on, you can't do that. And I didn't, you know, I toiled with that for a couple of days, whether or not I was going to make a post on social media about it. Um, but I made a post today. Um, and I've had some good debates about that. But at the end of the day, I cannot rightfully in good conscience support a movement that's called Black Lives Matter. If you guys, meaning Black Lives Matter movement, are only supporting the ones that are in the LGBTQ community. If you go on their page, nothing at all ever on that particular page says anything about us fighting for heterosexual black men. Nothing. And people are saying, well, they're saying that, you know, they support all black people. So if, if you know, black men are heterosexual, it means they're supporting them. And I have to explain to them, Black Lives Matter took the time out to actually type transgender men, transgender women. They made that point very, very clear many times on their page, but never, not once did they say anything about heterosexual black men. And as a result, I can't support that. My family dynamic is made up of my husband, myself, and our children. Other people's family dynamic may be two wives and kids. It doesn't matter. I, I support you as long as your kids are healthy, safe, and you raise them with love. I don't care how it is, but Black Lives Matter is not going to, you know, build upon the backs and the struggle of our black men that are out here being murdered. Mm -hmm. Now, what, what, <clears throat> what has been your, the response to it? I, I mean, I saw some of the comments and, and your response, but what have you, what sort of feedback have you, have you gotten from it? For the most part, I've been I've I've had a lot of people that have been supportive. They the most people are saying, you know what? I realized that like two or three weeks ago, and I just didn't speak on it. But thank you for putting it as eloquently as you did. Um, most people are like, some people are like, wow, I didn't know that, you know. And I put up receipts. You know, anything I call somebody out on, I got receipts. Mm -hmm. um, and people are like, wow, I didn't know that. Thank you for putting that out there for me to see that. Now I need to, you know re like kind of reevaluate my support of black lives matter and i had two two people that you know i had a, a debate with well one person just made a statement and went on the other person we had a full-fledged debate on this particular thing and it was shocking to me that you know people will try to do anything they can to twist what's actually there it's not like i'm making this up this is in black and white somebody for black lives matter actually took the time to type this up and make this public for people to see and i explained to them this mission statement that black lives matter posted up has been something that people have had a problem with for over three years three mm -hmm. years so if we've had a problem with it for over three years we've let the the founders and co-founders of black lives matter know that we've had a problem with it for over three years 
if it was not the way they intended it to be, they would have changed it by now in the last three years. They meant what they meant. They said what they said. And you got to understand it. Black Lives Matter was founded by four openly, you know, lesbian black women. So naturally, they're going to fight for their community. I respect it. I'm going to fight with y'all. But I wish y'all wouldn't call it Black Lives Matter. Y'all probably need to say Black LGBTQ plus Lives Matter. Then it would make more sense. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Do you find that um, you, you've always had an element in your comedy with um, social commentary uh, where mm -hmm. you talked about, you know, whatever was going on and you've always... Uh, I could hear some of the activism in, in your material. Do mm -hmm. you think that with everything that has been going on um, during this pandemic, that that would be a larger part of your material moving absolutely. forward? Um, absolutely. And, yeah. and again, this all goes back to reading your audience. Um, I probably wouldn't tell those type of borderline activism jokes at a Clear People Vineyard in Albemarle, <laughs> North Carolina, but you know I may do it somewhere, you know, at, at, at you know at the Comedy House down in Columbia, South Carolina, or yeah. you know, you know, some, somewhere in New York, you know, where it's understood, you know, you ain't got to deal with that because you know I ain't got time to be fighting these clear people. You know, I already ain't got no license, and then I gotta leave <laughs> out of there and drive home without no light. I ain't trying to get pulled over. I'm trying to have no problems with these clear folk. You hear me? But no. Um, yeah, I, I definitely see it, uh, you know, being in my act. Um, and the way I determine that is like my conversations, interactions that I have with people like I'm having with you now. And if I say something about it that's funny, but it's true, that then becomes a part of my act. What I say yeah. to you, our conversation becomes a part of my act. So, yeah, I can see that happening in the very near future. Um, so I'm, I'm just waiting, but yeah, this, I'm sure I'll probably have be up all night long debating this black lives matter thing on Facebook with people still, I ain't got nothing but time. I got a dentist appointment tomorrow. They pulling my teeth. I can't eat nothing past four, right. Ooh. Nothing past 4 a.m. this morning, tomorrow morning. Mm. So I'm going to be up all night eating and drinking until then. So I ain't got nothing but time, but to debate these folks on social media tonight, I'm ready. I appreciate you taking the time, but before before we go, before I let you go, mm -hmm. talk about some. What is the uh, some of the projects you're working on now that uh, are coming up? I know you're on the um, you have your show that you're part of on Thursday nights. Yes, yes. Uh, so, so I want you to talk about that and any other projects you're working on. Sure. Um, every Thursday night, eight p.m. You can find me on social media, particularly Facebook, under my regular name, not stage name, Sheree McCain. Um, I have my radio show, The Tea with Re 2.0, um, where I'm, people normally just write in, they want, you know, advice, you know, what would you do in this situation or give me your advice type situation. So some people just really want to spill the tea and they want me to tell it. So they will write in and I do that. Um, so that's every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Currently right now, we're still shopping around to pick up more people to pick up my uh, comedy special that's on Amazon. We were first on Amazon, uh, Liquor House Comedy, uh, Brown Sugar Night, um, with myself, White Owl, and comedian Aaliyah Ford. Both of those are dynamic female comics. Mm -hmm. I love them. I love them both. Mm -hmm. um, 
but we were on Amazon, originally Amazon and Sirius XM Radio um, had us there. But just last week, I got the word that we were picked up um, by Fox and Tubi. So we are on both of those platforms as well. So, you know, we are moving with that. I'm, I'm super excited about that. Cannot wait to see what is in store uh, for me with that. Um, and, you know, I can't really say I got shows lined up because all of them got canceled due to COVID. But yeah. we definitely make sure we, we keep it, you know, rocking and rolling on Thursday nights with the tea with Ree. Um, and we are definitely pushing this uh, Liquor House comedy special that I have on Amazon, Sirius XM Radio, Tubi, Fox. You can catch them on all of those platforms. So what are your social media handles where everybody can catch you and see your stuff? Absolutely. So we're going to start with Facebook. Um, I will give you my, you can find me on Facebook, Comedian Lady Shamar. And for those of you that don't know, female, a female comic is spelled C-O-M-E-D-I-E-N-N-E. That is how you spell a female comedian. So all y'all female comedians, they got C-O-M-E-D-I-E-N or I-A-N. Y'all and change that. So comedian, C-O-M-E-D-I-E-N-N-E, Lady Shamar is my comedy page on Facebook, my personal page on Facebook, Sheree McCain. So that's S-H-A-R-R-I-E, last name McCain, M-C-C-A-I-N. You can also follow me on Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, it is comedian, C-O-M-E-D-I-E-N-N-E, underscore lady, L-A-D-Y, underscore Shamar, S-H-A-M-A-R, you follow me, I'll follow you back till you start posting some ignorant stuff, then I gotta go. <laughs> so I gotta ask, I gotta ask. Um, top five comedians, dead or alive, period. Not just women, not just black ones, but period. Your top mm. five, dead or alive. Mm, my number one, and I will always say this, and it blows everybody's mind. Number one, John Leguizamo. Best comedian oh yeah i saw you i saw your eyebrows flinch kevin don't you do that john leguizamo is so underrated i'm not i'm not doubting it i'm not doubting it i'm just it just you you caught me you caught me off i absolutely positively love john leguizamo okay you know how many shows he's done a one-man show with so many different characters funny uh my second favorite comic will probably be richard pryor my third would be Dave Chappelle. My fourth would probably be um, George Lopez. Mm. Yeah. And then okay. my fifth would probably be Cat Williams. Okay. I like that. Now, a lot of people sleep on George Lopez. A lot of oh, black man. folks sleep on him. I called his uh, latest special on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. He's hilarious. He is. A, a lot of black folks sleep on him. Nah, and you see, my, my top five is versatile. I don't stick yeah. to just black people. This yeah. is why I, I feel like I'm able to be successful in the different rooms that I do. Because you see this stuff, you're like, okay, that's how it's done. That's how it's done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say I've seen some comedians get caught in that trap of I only cater, you know, of only catering to one Urban. particular group, one particular way, or even you know they won't even do black rooms. Mm. You know, you know they won't even yeah. do that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, I, I've seen that. Um, but that puts you in a box. When you do that, when mm -hmm. black comics only want to do black rooms, that puts you in a box and you will not be able to make it mainstream when you do that. So if you're a comedian out there listening, do not limit yourself and put yourself in a box. Make sure you're able to go out to different rooms. You're able to be shopped around. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you again for taking the time out um, and, and being on the podcast. I want Before I go, though, I want to thank you for all that you're doing for the comedians here, uh, especially in North Carolina, uh, and, and giving opportunities and, and opening doors for so many, uh, you know, especially myself. I really appreciate you. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Aaliyah Ford as well. Absolutely. True story. Aaliyah gave me my first gig on stage. First wow. time. Wow. Shout Salute out to Aaliyah. Aaliyah Ford. She, uh, she gave me that first that first gig. I so, love her. Yeah. She, which, uh, her thing was go comedy or go crazy. Go comedy or go crazy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a wonderful night. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for having and, me, man. Oh, yeah. I, I had to because... Um, the funny thing is my wife said, okay, so how are you going to have a podcast and you don't have any comedians on? <laughs> and you know how y'all say slick stuff like that, that mm -hmm. is going to change my mind and then just smooth <laughs> walk on out the room. Don't explain it because you know what you just said is going right. to hit home. Right. Stop me in my tracks. And I was like, wait a minute. Let yep. me, let me get back to my own. Let me cater yep. to my people and give them a chance to shine. And so Absolutely. when it was like, all right, well, I was, I was sitting down, I was ready to make a list, and I said, wait a minute. First, let me go back to those that gave me a chance to shine. And Absolutely. so you, you are at the top of the list, and I got to get Thank Aaliyah you. next. Thank uh, you. I got to get her on. So I appreciate yes. you for doing that, and I appreciate you for stopping, for stopping through. Um, let's see. 